Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today for one of our most mystical shows ever. And if you're looking to experience a bit more of your spiritual side, if you're willing to go exploring into the depths of who you really are, go to theandygrant.com records to experience your Akashic records. Again, go to theandygrant.com records because you are more than you think you are. My guest today is Nate Zelelznik. Nate is the CEO of MPUSA and Vibravision. He is a serial entrepreneur who has owned a highly successful martial arts and meditation academy in Utah for more than two decades. We talk about his 20-year journey to learn the secret techniques of an ancient martial art so he could teach ordinary people how to be superhuman, even teaching the ability to see to the blind. Nate shares the challenges of learning this secret system of energy and martial arts, we explore various mystical and aesthetic experience that we both have had. Nate shares the best book he's ever read and the four ways that we block energy. I am really excited for this conversation. Let's do it. Hello, Nate. Welcome to Real Men Feel. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Andy. My pleasure to be here, for sure. Cool, cool. It's a pleasurable day for everyone involved, then. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Let's jump right in. And so tell me, what is Vibravision? Well, first of all, I want to say hello to all the listeners and all the viewers out there. And I'm about to introduce you to something that you have never seen before, never heard of. And it's going to be something that is going to be hopefully inspiring for you, not just because you know it exists, but because you know that you have the capability as well. Now, what Vibravision is, is it is a very specific method from the royal family members of Java, Indonesia. And it's a breathwork, meditation, exercise an energy development method that allows people to unlock a different sense, a sense that all of us are born with, but most of us, it's trained out of us, or we just forget we have it, but it's something that we can redevelop. And what this sense does is it gives, well, essentially, blind people the ability to see, not visually, but in their mind's eye, and it gives people who have vision the ability to see the things in their life that they're blind to and really take their life to another level by being able to acknowledge the things that they've been blind to their whole life. So that's a very interesting way of explaining this. But in a nutshell, we just create Jedi superhumans. And you know, we've documented this scientifically, medically, optically. We've trained blind people. And now we're ready to give this to the world as part of our mission that we signed on for 22 years ago with the last remaining, the 11th generation royal heirs of this system which we call it vibravision, but it's only one part of the, and I'm going to give you some big words, Marpati Puti. Marpati Puti means white dove. That's the martial art and combat and energy system of the kings and the royal heirs of central Java for the past 500 plus years. So that's what we do. Hmm. So vibravision is kind of the English language word to describe this more on top of Merputi puti. Merpati puti. You're good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yes. And vibravision is, if you think about it and breaking it into two words, vibra, like vibration, vision, where we're able to 
use our non-visual senses to create a visual image or get sensation through our skin and through the other non-visual senses that we have, which are way more than the standard five senses that science tells us about. We have so many more ways to sense our world around us, not just in a vibrational way, but I would also say in a quantum way, through time, through space, energetically. There's a lot going on that we don't still understand, but just because you're not a plumber doesn't mean you can't use a toilet. And so we have the method of reliably teaching people, including adults, which is kind of rare in the world there. Some other people that train in this mindset, but most of them only train children 12 and under. So if you're 13, eh, bummer for you. And so we'll train people all the way into their 70s and 80s. So is that notion tied to the, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Is that sort of the limitation some people are, are imagining exists? Precisely, precisely. You know, we have neurology, we have connections in our brain that are formed at certain times in our life. Well, by the age of 30, epigenetics knows this, psychology knows this. By the age of 30, roughly 95% of all of our habits, all of our actions are actually pre-programmed habits. They're things that we do on autopilot that we just follow. We've laid enough, we've gone on this path long enough that now it's become a rut and it's very well worn in our brain. And we can actually see this. But we also have something called neuroplasticity, which means that we can change our brain, not just change our mind, but change the structure of our brain. So with children, imagine like you have a field and you're going to build roads. You're going to build a road system. Well, if it's an empty field, everything is just ripe for the planning. But what if there are already roads there and you want to build something else? You have to essentially rip up the roads and lay new roads. And that requires a lot more work. That's one cool thing about the vibration and Marpati method is that it works if you have a body. If you don't have a body, well, it really can't help you. But if you have a body and you have the desire to change, this is a way that you can actually embody change where it's not such a woo-woo is great for people that it really resonates with. But if you're not, if you're somebody who's very scientific and logical, well, this is going to work for you as long as you work the method, the method will work for you. Because you have neurons, you have a body, you have the ability to understand, and you have the ability to change. And so that's one thing I really like about this the most is that it gives everybody the opportunity to make the change that they want in the way that they want. Belief system not necessary. Work absolutely is required, though. Cool. Yeah, I love what you say about the neuroplasticity. And when, when I'm talking about people of that, those thought patterns and, you know, the cliches, oh, I fell in a rut. Well, yeah, that rut is in our brain. It's in our mind. It's that neural pathway that's traveled the most is going to be the <laughs> that we fall into easy. So, yeah, so with, but with conscious effort, with energy, with focus, you can make new ruts, <laughs> better ruts <laughs> that serve you. And so many ancient teachings talk about this being a vibrational universe, so it's always, always made sense to me that, of course, we have more senses than the five that we identify. And when people kind of uh, dismiss the woo-woo or, or energy, but, you know, our ears and eyes, it's always been perceiving energy. Like the masses seem to agree that, yes, there's waves that are turned into, you know, energy turned into something I perceive in my brain. And the same with sound. Yeah. And there's, there's this so much more. Like people don't think you're a nut if you say x-rays exist or gamma rays, or all these different rays, yet we don't consciously perceive those. And there's no big argument. Exactly. 
Well, and it, it's really because we have instrumentation that can then tell us that they're real. But if you'd gone back 200 years ago and said X-rays, gamma rays, radio waves, ultraviolet, infrared, these things that are outside the visible spectrum, if you had said these things exist, or you know, 500 years ago, if you talked about viruses or bacteria instead of bloodletting, you know, leeches. Or how about the Earth is not the center of the universe and that there are over one trillion galaxies that we know of and it's ever expanding and more is being discovered all the time. Okay, so then you would have been crucified and burned, right? But now here we are and we have instrumentation that can measure these different waves, these different energies, these different frequencies, this different information. But what if in order to perceive energies that were even beyond those? You didn't need instrumentation outside of yourself because you came hardwired with the instrumentation. You are the instrument. And now we're getting to that point really where science is catching up with mysticism. And for those people out there that are fans of Joe Dispenza, definitely a hero of mine, one of his phrases is that science is the contemporary language of mysticism. And it's so true, but even science has its limitations, as does mysticism. They have their limits there. But the thing that doesn't have limitations is our potential. So as long as we get out of our own way and we really open up, it's amazing what human beings can do. I've seen cancer cured in a week by people's minds alone. I've seen people get up out of the wheelchairs and walk. I've seen blind people see. So why was this system kept secret? Well... I'm not 100, well, national pride, nationalism, the same reason that karate was kept secret within Japan until GIs brought it back from world, you know, during World War II, or Korea, or, uh, Taekwondo was kept secret until people came back from the Korean War. The reason why is pride and national solidarity and wanted to keep that as a cultural heritage. So the way that Merpatiputi worked, and there are over 700 different martial arts in the Indonesian archipelago, including Malaysia and all of Indonesia. Well, Merpatiputi being one of 750, it I can only speak to its reasons for being kept secret. There are still many, and I mean hundreds of styles that are kept secret. And for about 450 years, the Sultan of Indonesia and his heirs had this martial arts and breath work and meditation work that gave them the upper hand in combat and also the ability to perceive beyond their physical body, which is very rare. Like in Chinese martial arts and Chinese internal martial arts, they don't really ever deal with the vibravision type things like that. Although ninjas did 400 plus years ago, they had a form of this where they would do night missions in the complete dead of night and be able to see everything around them. But that was supposedly lost to the annals of history. But then when you come to Indonesia and this art, it was kept secret within the central Java palace walls in Yogyakarta and Solo. There are two different uh, cities right there, but it was that kingdom until 1963. Now in 1963, there was a civil war happening in Indonesia and the military killed over six, excuse me, over 500,000 people in six months time. There's actually a movie called The Year of Living Dangerously with Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver. It's an older movie, but it's about that time. So when that was happening, the 10th generation heir and his two sons who he had chosen to be his, his 11th generation heirs, they decided that they were going to release this martial arts and energy system to the Indonesian public for two reasons. The first one, they wanted people to be able to really defend themselves with an effective martial art. And when you see, you know, when people go online and see our 
say breaking, you know, people break boards and bricks and karate and taekwondo. But when you see them break well pump handles and steel files and car suspensions and poured concrete bricks and stone, sometimes without even touching them, you just go, okay, there's something here. So they use that in order to help people defend themselves. But also, as we meditate and we come into this deep state of heart and brain coherence and this oneness of all people and all things, we understand that when I hurt you, I hurt myself. So by bringing this out into the Indonesian public, they were helping to help people understand that we're all one heart, we're all one beating heart. And it, if we're hurting each other, we're hurting ourselves and we need to stop this. So it was actually a humanitarian reason, which is why I was really attracted to Marpati Puji because when I first learned what the words meant, I was like, white dove? Shouldn't it be like black tiger or red scorpion or something like aggro, like most martial arts <laughs> things are? And because I'd done martial arts for a long time and it was always something like dominant and powerful. White dove? Okay. So that was really intriguing just because of the energy behind it. So once that happened, they released it to Indonesian public. They grew into the third largest martial arts organization on the planet that you've never heard of. Now, there are lots of martial arts out there that like karate is huge. BJJ is huge. Aikido is huge. But there are different styles of these things that make them huge. Merpati Puti is Merpati Puti no matter where you go. And over a million people had trained before I started training as the first non-Indonesian ever. But they'd never let it outside. It was cultural heritage for them. And then when I approached them, and that's a, a, a longer story about how the universe planted me right in the right place at the right time to change the course of my life. And now the course of human history with what we're doing scientifically and medically, they allowed myself and my brother Mike to become the first ever non-Indonesians to learn this. And we opened the very first foreign branch with the permission and the grace and the personal induction of the 11th generation heirs themselves by coming over here and inaugurating our school. It was quite an amazing thing. And since then, we've been able to help thousands and thousands of people with this. And now we're on the brink of helping millions because now we're going digital. So did you discover this because of an interest in martial arts or was it already wider than that for you? And that's, that's what brought you to this. That's such a good question. Thanks for asking that, Andy. Okay, so I, okay, let's go back a little bit. We're going to go back 40 years until when I was uh, little and my parents, my mom would get ninja movies and Star Wars. And so I always wanted to be a ninjedi. I'm a ninja with a Jedi a combination. I couldn't make up my mind. I wanted to, I wanted to have a double major, one in ninja arts, one in Jedi arts. And so living in a rural town, a small town in Utah, no place to learn martial arts and until I got a little bit older and I got driver's license to go to larger cities and I started training in earnest and then my brother Mike my brother Mike dove in I was involved in college and all kinds of other things but he dove in both feet and became a very accomplished martial artist being undefeated in fighting in Utah for six years straight and he had numerous black belts I did not I just had numerous belts but they none of them were black that his that was his life and so then in 1998, I ordered a, a course out of Black Belt Magazine, had a VHS tape that had Indonesian martial arts. And I tell you what, when we saw that, we, I mean, 
we'd been involved in the martial arts a long time. We'd seen a lot of movies, been to a lot of tournaments. He'd done a lot of judging and competing. We had never seen anything like what we were seeing there, just the martial arts skill itself. But one specific thing stuck out, and that was people who were blindfolded and they were running through obstacle courses. They were riding motorcycles and driving cars through just normal traffic. If any of your viewers have been to Southeast Asia and seen the way that people drive, if you have perfect driving skills and you survive four blocks, that's a miracle. So imagine being blindfolded and driving for miles and miles. And it showed military people, people who were in the Indonesian army that were blindfolded and they were shooting targets out of people's hands and out of their mouth. And then it showed a blind person who was able to duplicate what he was seeing or scanning on a whiteboard when somebody from the audience would come down and draw. Um, a, they would draw a picture, they would write a word, and he would duplicate it. Well, I thought it was complete BS. I thought it was a hoax because, come on, people bend spoons and it's a trick. People make the Statue of Liberty disappear and it's a trick. So I thought it had to be bogus, but it was really cool. And it's stuff I always wanted to do. So Mike and I watched it a couple of times. Mike is my brother. And um, so we watched it a couple of times and I went to bed and something in my head was just telling me that there might be something more to this. And so what happened was the next day, the universe reaffirmed that for me. I was parked or I wasn't parked. I was stopped at a traffic light right in front of the Utah schools for the deaf and blind. And there was a blind woman with her dog waiting to cross the street in front of me. And when she got the noises to go, the chirps to go and cross the street, her dog, her dog went around the light pole and let her face first into it. And I'm sitting there like she's like eight feet off of my bumper. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, what if I had been doing 50 through this zone and that dog had made that mistake? I mean, I, I mean, it could have been a fatal thing, definitely for the dog, most likely for her. And it just dawned on me right then. I wonder if those Indonesian people could help blind people here. And so something in my genetic code going back over a thousand years on my dad's side to the roots of Jewish mysticism and the person who created the modern Kabbalah, I'm a direct descendant of the, those rabbis. And so I've always wanted to help. And I've got educators on both sides of my family. So it's in my genes to want to help people. And the mysticism thing, I've got other things that are way too deep of a scope to go into on our uh, time today that had to do with out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences and things like that, that I just knew I had to do something to help. So when I saw that, I went to the library the next day. This is in the early days of the internet, so dial-up was too slow. So they had fast internet connection at the library. And I went and I searched and searched for two full weeks to be able to find those people on that tape because it was in Indonesian. And you may not know this about me, but I can just let everybody know, I don't speak Indonesian. I sp spoke even less of it in 1998. So I finally understood two words, Marpati, Puti. And as fate would have it, as luck would have it, as tech would have it, they actually had a website. It's pretty much a third world country, but they had a website for their foundation for the blind. And so I reached out and I contacted them. I was able to get a hold of somebody who spoke English. And I asked them like for really reals, do you guys train blind people? And they're like, yes, we've trained over 3000 blind people. And we train our most elite commando paratroopers in this fiber vision skill for combat missions, but also search and rescue. So when we have landslides, when we have typhoons, when we have earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, we they call in 
these special vibravision spec ops people to locate bodies. And this is all over their news. There's plenty of news broadcasts showing them doing this. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Well, what government trains their most elite operatives in something that's going to be fake and get them killed? None. So that kind of like put me at ease a little bit, but I still had to see it for myself because I'm a skeptical Westerner. So my brother, Mike, and I, we uh, sold pretty much everything we had. No, nope, we didn't sell our kidneys, but there was some, maybe some, I don't know, blood blood bank kind of stuff to you know, get them to come over here. And we hosted the very first demonstration of Merpati Pupi Martial Arts and Vibrovision in the United States in the fall of 1999. And all we ever wanted to do was just help them. Just, we want to help you get a foothold here. And there was an Indonesian guy at the airport we met when they arrived. And he was a friend of the 11th generation heirs. Um, we're like, awesome. There's Indonesian people here in Utah. Sweet. But then when they were going to leave, they said, he's going to be your trainer. We're like, wait, what you talking about, Willis? That's not, that was not part of the plan. We're just, we just want to help. And they're like, yeah, but if you're going to help, you need to know what we do. Oh, wow. What an honor. Uh, so we thought, but he did not want to train us. He was like, no, we shouldn't give this to the Americans. And it was one of the 11th generation heirs who happened to be his one of his best friends said, please, I want you to train these Americans. Okay, fine. I will do it. But if they quit, if they quit, not my fault. It turns out he was a former special forces trainer for this art. And he did everything he possibly could to make us quit. As you can tell, epic fail. Just kidding. No, just kidding. Don't tell him I said that. I hope he doesn't see this. But, you know, this is something that uh, when we saw what it could do, not just for people who didn't have sight, but for people who wanted to be in the best shape of their life on a cardiovascular, like an anaerobic and aerobic level that could help people reach peak sports performance that they never had before, oxygen utilization that off the charts, but also de-stress because 90% of all diseases are caused by stress, according to the CDC. So if we can make ourselves sick, we can also make ourselves healthy. And this is a way, that, like I said, it requires work, but people notice and realize gains physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, almost immediately with this, because it's truly embodied. So that's a very long explanation. So this isn't just a parlor trick. It's not a neat thing to learn. It has life-changing benefits. Yes. We have a lot of people who are CEOs of major corporations come to us because they want to be able to be able to trust their intuition. They want to be able to sense the energy coming from their spouse, from their kids, from business partners, through business relationships, through deals that they're doing. They also want to know how to live a longer, healthier life because instead of killing themselves with their thought and being an old workaholic, if you can mitigate your cortisol levels and you can take down the hormones of stress and have more oxytocin and vasopressin and the feel-good chemicals, you're going to strengthen your immune system and you're going to also be a healthier person and stop destroying yourself from the inside out. So people come to us, half of them want to learn how to see without their eyes because they think it's cool. Some people come to us because they're blind, and this is an amazing way for them to have a horizon that is expanded beyond anything they ever dreamed possible. And that's why we also have a foundation for them is to help them be able to learn it. But then the majority of people coming to us, they're coming to us after they've done all the other meditation retreats out there. And I'm talking some of them have done 50 plus meditation and spirituality retreats, all the big names over the course of years. And then they come to us. 
And they're like, this is the next level of everything that's out there because it gets results quickly. It's self-reliant. You don't need anybody to uh, ramalama ding dong. You're anointed and now your stuff's open. We teach people how to become their own personal. I'm not going to say God, but I'm going to say, uh, meaning you control yourself and your own body, right? Not a thing around. Not, not that. That's that's a quantum physics discussion. It's totally different than this. But you get to become the person who manifests exactly the health, the perception, and the energy that you really want. And so we have something for everybody. We really do. Were you already interested in meditation and energy work before discovering this, this Indonesian martial arts system? Absolutely. Yeah. When I was 13, I started having out-of-body experiences spontaneously when I was, you know, and most kids do, we just forget about it as we get older. And so when I was about 13 years old, I would lay in bed and I, my body would go into a catatonic state and I would raise up out of my body and I'd feel myself and I'd turn around and there's my body. And sometimes I would travel and sometimes I would just get scared to go back into my body, but it really opened the door for, well, if I am perceiving outside of my body, maybe my consciousness isn't in my body. So then it begs the question, what is there? And so I began a search as soon as I got a job and I got my own money when I was 40. I'm just kidding. No, I was 15. I even lied a little bit on my application so I could get my own money because I wanted to find out more about this. And I knew that if I wanted to buy books, our, my parents taught us to be very self-reliant. So from the age of 12 and up, we had to buy our school clothes. We had to buy our books. We had, we had to get a job. Like, you want it? Go earn it. So I knew if I wanted this stuff, I'd have to get it. So I got a job. And the first book I ever bought was called Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. It's the seminal work on out-of-body experiences. It's the one that has helped a lot of people understand what is happening with them and to them for them when they leave their body instead of being frightened. And I just dove, dove in. I mean, I was like, oh, deep end of the pool, both hands behind my back, face first. Here we go. I'm in the deep pool because the universe had already put me there. So I studied as many meditation techniques, did all kinds of brainwave entrainment, binaural beats with hollow sync and hemisync and all the different stuff to try to find out more about what was beyond my body and what was the energy within my body. So, yes. I had done a lot of things, but never, uh, I had never been religious, but I had been very energy inclined and spiritual. And that's a, a neat thing for me and that it did not put me and more or my brother into a, a box that says only this is possible. So yeah, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. When I was that age, it was like, what is happening? I want to know. So when this came around and I found Rabati Bhuti and I saw this, something deep inside me with my lineage, with my the genetics, but also with my previous experiences, I just went, okay, there might be something to this because there's enough things that are leading me into this path. Am I going to be like one of the people that sees their calling and doesn't listen to it? Or am I going to at least take a look? And I'm really glad that I did. You know, one of the, uh, I guess one of your taglines is creating superhumans with the ancient wave of the future. And I love how so many ancient things come back and what was called new age was all really old things. 
So, like, how does ancient wisdom become no longer wisdom and then we have to rediscover it again? Well, like, why do you think that is for humanity? It depends on the epoch of time that you're looking at. So, for instance, a lot of it has to do with nationalism. A lot of it has to do with family pride. Of, this is our family knowledge. I'm not going to let it outside our family, or I'm not going to out let this outside our nation, or it might be tribal. I'm not going to let this out outside my tribe. It is certain people selectively withholding it. If you look back, say, at the Hermetic traditions, going back to the time of Abraham, way before Moses, way before Hinduism, way before any religion, and it was only given to those who were ready. It wasn't just given to the masses. Well, there are very good reasons for doing this, because there are people out there that will take power and they use it for destructive purposes. And there's that reason. But if you look back even pretty recently to the Boxer Rebellion in China, where so many of the Kung Fu masters and the Taoists were killed by the communist government, or they were forced into hiding because of when you give people the ability to be powerful within themselves, your governmental or religious power declines. So I really feel that that's a big part of it throughout history. But then there are also people, I'm sure, that have ha discovered certain things and had certain knowledge, and they carried it to the grave with them because they just hadn't found anybody that was they felt worthy to pass that on. So who knows what's been lost into uh, the ether with that. But I can tell you with this, with Murpatiputi, it was there for national pride. And that's that's all I can I can only I don't want to speak too far out of school, but it would make sense if you give them the power to hurt you and you have the power, to, then we we have the reptilian brain that has the territorialism and stuff like that instead right. of the. Uh, yeah, no, I, and I totally agree on that. It's, you know, an empowered people makes a disempowered government or ruling class. And therein lies the the challenge of of human beings. You know, we've got so many mystical elements in common. Uh, the first thing I meditated with ever was, was Holosync. I went to their last retreat with, with Bill Harris, the creator of it, and you know, had my first holotropic breathwork experience, which just blew me wide open and really kicked down my doors to spirituality. I'm an initiate and a certified healer and ritual master with the Modern Mystery School, which is a hermetic lineage going back over 3,000 years. And yeah, it takes initiation. It used to be very closed. It's only been open to the public since 1997. But yeah, um, these societies used to watch and see who seemed worthy and who could be trusted or given to and taught the sacred things. And yeah, so I, I love that. It's my kind of only interest in history and what's possible and esoteric wisdom and the occult and just, you know, magic and mystery and, and all that stuff that got me excited to find these things existed. Because I remember hearing about mystery schools and think of just some lost, oh, there's just ancient stuff and I've... I visited Machu Picchu, I visited Tikal, and just the natives would say, oh, they knew so much more than we did. But, you know, as uh, conquering armies throughout humanity, you know, first the library is destroyed. And so, you know, the temples are destroyed and it's the culture and the knowledge get, gets lost. So I'm glad so much was saved in, in Indonesia uh, to, to be passed on to you. And I mentioned holographic breathwork. And one of the big elements of your program for your training is breath. 
So why is breath awareness so important? Oh, well, the first thing that people need to understand is <laughs> breath is one of the only things in our body that we can control that is really an automatic thing. If you think about it, we breathe about 28,000 times a day on average, but we only ever really pay attention to it if we're out of it, or maybe if we just yawned or sneezed or something like that. If you're underwater, you're definitely paying attention to your breath. But it's something that, A, we can control our physiology with. Now, most people are not able to regulate their heartbeat and say, okay, hold your heartbeat. Ready? Three, two, one, stop your heartbeat. Okay. And three minutes later, resume your heartbeat. There are certain people that I believe have been able to do that. But same with your digestion, same with your endocrine function or your immune function. But when it comes down to our breath, you ask anybody, hold your breath. Just be in an elevator with somebody who farted. Everybody holds your breath. We got it. We can do this stuff. But the thing is with this, if we breathe up on top of our chest and we activate our sympathetic fight or flight, our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight, we're going to be stressed out. We're going to not even know why we're short of breath. If we're breathing in our stomach, our parasympathetic nervous system gets in, gets in drive, and then we have a rest and digest system. And so we can actually control the chemical releases of our body, which when we're having billions of chemical actions and chemical enzymatic reactions in our body every second. But if we're able to consciously pay attention to our breath, we can stay and remain in a state of ease and flow and health much easier than if we're just breathing on autopilot. And so there are some amazing statistics that people can look up as far as breath is concerned. But also why breath work is so important in this day and age is for your very life. And when I say that, the World Health Organization on their website, it says that one in eight people will die from air pollution. One in eight will die from the crap we put in the air. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of people. And so if you're in 70% from what I've read, 70% of, of the toxins in our body are expelled with our breath. So if we're breathing shallowly, if we're not fully uh, engaging our lungs, we're leaving a lot of toxins in our body. And since there are more toxins than there ever have been before, Leaving those in our body, no wonder we have so many bad things going on in our system. So when you have, say, Wim Hof breathing, the holotropic breathing, breath of fire, you have different breathwork methods out there that are essentially hyperventilation. We don't do that. Ours is very unique. Ours actually is, instead of hyperoxygenation, we strive to get the proper balance of carbon dioxide in our body because carbon dioxide is the catalyst that allows our blood to release oxygen into our cells. So if you don't have enough oxygen, excuse me, enough high, uh, carbon dioxide, it's like you're walking around with a briefcase full of money, but you don't have the combination. You can't open it. So you're rich, but guess what? You can't open it. So we do a combination. The Murpatikuti system is a hypoventilation. It's very similar to the Buteyko method from Russia. And it has a lot of breath holding and a lot of DMT release through a different breath work than the hyperventilation. But it, you know, this in itself does elevate the risk involved. So it's like working out at the gym. You want to make sure you have somebody there to spot you or have very good instruction for it before you just go and do it. And then when people really get a hold of this, we've had, and I'm not going to make any health claims, but what people have shown in Indonesia They've done studies where complete reversal of stage four cancer of the lungs and numerous other cancers. They have a type two diabetes reversal protocol over there where through proper breathing, 
can help people with their type 2 diabetes. That's what they found. Numerous cases of asthma over here that people report just gone after just a couple of months of doing basic 10 minutes a day breathwork of our bars, arthritis, chronic fatigue. The things, you know, improper breathing has been linked to over 200 health conditions. So if you look those up, there's a chance that no matter what breath work or discipline you decide to do, it's going to be better than the autopilot that you're doing right now, right? So ours also helps people to create an electrical field in the body using inductance field uh, methodology. And so we have 100,000 miles of blood vessels, most of us adults and kids will have 60,000 or so miles. And so we're able to turn that because we have iron in our blood, we're going to turn that into a big uh, electrical gen- electromagnetic generator. And when we do that, we're also going to be able to have increased resistance to injury from impact and more resistance to colds and flus. We very rarely, a lot of our members never get sick anymore after decades when they always used to get sick. And so this is just a really cool thing that allows people to assume their health and their own power and you only do the exercises on the days you want to feel awesome. So on those days, you'll feel like a million bucks and change. And if you forget even a single day, if you go, oh, I, oh, I want to go do that. So you feel better. And we're just in the business of changing lives and helping people be superhuman, you know, things like that. But it's in a different way than any other technology that's out there. Creating that electromagnetic feel is still about like raising your vibration kind of above disease, above virus, bacteria. Yeah. Well, not only that, we actually, but on a physical Newtonian 3D level, our breath techniques create a raise in the body temperature for just a little while, just very, it's like a flash fever, if you will. So if you think about viruses and bacteria being able to survive only in a certain temperature range, if you go just barely above that, boom, they're gone. They just, and there's been a lot of research in Russia done on this as well. And so this is something where when we do our exercises and people feel this heat within their body, and I mean heat, you, I mean, it's like you have an inferno side, just it, it's awesome. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it, it feels fantastic. And people, especially who are injured or people who are sick, when they do these exercises, they tend to get well faster than doctors expect them to, usually by about 50% faster is what doctors have mentioned to a lot of our students, they're like, you shouldn't be even close to this healthy or this uh, ap- this uh, healed after your surgery. Cool. So with all the work that you've done, all the experiences you've had, have you experienced all that is possible with your mind and body? Absolutely not. There is no limit. That's a truth. There are still things. I have my own crap. Everybody has their own things that they go through. That's part of being human. That's why we're here is to have these experiences, to be able to work through them and become a more gained wisdom for our energy self, our soul, if you will, the the higher consciousness of ourselves, which a lot of us are not very even aware of, or we just talk to you and we're like, ah, but we're not aware of the scope of what that is. And that's okay. We're not supposed to at this point in time, if if you're not, but there's a lot more to learn. We will never be done. Never be done. Because if you're done, you might as well just fade out of existence. So I'm excited always. Yeah. I used to really hate that you're never done. And now I'm like, oh, good. I'm not done. So, uh, you know, the the notion that there's always, there's more I have to work on. There's more to show up. There's more to learn. Like, oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the coolest things that I am learning. And if I could share that with all of your audience uh, members, there's a very amazing 
of one of the best books I've ever read, and it's by Dr. David Hawkins, and it's called Letting Go. As a recovering control freak <laughs> and perfectionist, if I may speak to anybody out there who is also in having that as well, I noticed right away when I started letting go, and meaning it's not going to take away my birthday. So don't try to control it. Just enjoy the ride you're on and what's next. Everything starts falling into place. The universe, the energies that you put out keep coming back to you. And especially if you've been manifesting amazing things in your life, the things that you really want, the things you want the most, and you focus on those and the feelings of those, and you put in that as a quantum field and you start bringing it back and start, you just stop getting in your own way. It's amazing. And in that book, they talk about four ways that humans block their energy and they really keep themselves stuck. You have suppression, repression, expression, and you also have distraction. So repression and suppression is pushing it down, right? Either consciously or subconsciously. Expression is when we let it all out and we have an emotional episode, which maybe it's crying, maybe it's yelling, maybe it's doing something violent or mean, or maybe it's simply talk therapy. And we're getting this out, but that doesn't actually get to the root of the problem or actually let it go. And for a lot of people, they use it as an excuse to hang on. And then we have distraction, whether that's sex, drugs, rock and roll. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of distractions to take us. So I'm not facing that, but to just sit with what we're having in our life and to acknowledge it and feel it until it fades away. Not as a suppressed thing, definitely not as a repressed thing, but it actually fades away and dissolves. And Letting Go is an amazing book for every human being who has a body because it has helped me immeasurably. And I could tell that already in my health. And I could tell that in my mental health as well. So that's just a suggestion for everybody out there. But um, we also have online courses, which can help with this big time as well. So I know you have in-person intensives in Utah and you're starting at least to starting to do some online things. So, so tell people where they can go to learn about both these options of, of learning more and working with you. Awesome. Well, vibravision.com is the, our, that's our website. All right. So there's also something else that is called a link tree. And what I'll do is I'm just going to actually, did you actually get that, Andy? We'll be sure that all these links are in the show notes at Real Men Feel. So feel free to speak to any of them or they'll also be on the site. Well, thank you. Yeah. And Linktree has all of our sites, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the stuff where people can go see that. YouTube, so much more entertaining than cat videos. Knock yourself out. Enjoy it. And we even have a free course on our website. So if you'll go to our website at vibrovision.com, scroll all the way to the bottom after they read everything and they see some videos and they want to have more and be able to follow our journey of what it has been like to bring this here to America and where we're going next. They can do the right, do so right there and they get a 20 minute workout where they get to come and work out with me, meditate with me and just start their day off. It's uh, absolutely free. And then people will have the option of looking at our breath awareness mastery course, which is details so many things about why our breath is so important and why so many people hurt themselves by doing it wrong. And then meditation on how to calm your heart, your mind, your whole entire body down and get into a very peaceful, relaxed state of oneness as you start your day. And so we've got a lot of breath techniques in there that are quite unique. But then we have the, the one that if people are not able to come and learn from us here in Utah, which they'll be able to see that in our immersion page on our website. But 
if people want to have this experience at home, it's called our Vibrovision Energy Expansion Course. We call it the VEEP, V-E-E-P. And people can go there, purchase this, have this course available to them. And it has a series of exercises that everybody who has tried them are like, this should be required in every school. This should be required on every sports team. This is unbelievable about how much energy you have so quickly, but also your ability to fight against disease, your ability to really know yourself they are as hard as people make them and the harder they make them the better the results and these have never been released outside the Murpachikuti system to the public unless people were willing to travel to utah to gain them from us because if people go to indonesia even though there are thousands of schools unfortunately there's they still don't train non-indonesians in indonesia it's still a cultural heritage there so there are only a couple places outside of indonesia where you can learn this one is in the netherlands and one is in Japan, one is in Malaysia, and then our school in Ogden, Utah. But now people can actually go online and they can learn the fundamental exercises that leads to vibrovision ability and training online in the safety of their own home. And yeah, we're, we're just honored beyond anything I can express to be able to share this ancient wisdom with people because we see it change lives on a daily basis. Cool. Yeah, I love this. People discovering, myself discovering that that we are the instrument, right? It's it's our own experience that proves something is worthy or not, or you know, adds to us or is of service to us, whatever whatever it might be. And instead of you know believing the news or you know people that must prove things wrong or whatever their issues, just like try things that you're attracted to, try things that talk to you and draw you in and have an experience. So, I love the ability for us to share kind of our our mystical backgrounds and experiences. And I really encourage people to, to check yours out, to check, you know, we don't know everything. And your willingness to, to not know everything, your willingness to be wrong can open up the doors to so many cool things out there. And there's, again, there's, there's more, there, there's depth and anyone can become, you know, and develop their Jedi, ninja, superhuman skills. So I love what you guys are up to. I'm looking forward to traveling to Utah someday and, and checking out myself. But again, Nate, thanks for everything. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks for everything you and your brother are doing. Greatly appreciated by me and I, you know, great impact on the world. And yeah, there's no limit. Thank you so much, Andy, for having me. It's an honor. Thank you to all of your viewers and listeners. Go have amazing days on purpose. Beautiful. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Wherever you're listening to Real Men Feel, please subscribe, share this with somebody, leave a comment, let us know what you thought of it. You can write to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. All the links and information will be at realmenfeel.org in the show notes for this episode. And until next time, be good to yourself. <laughs>